Sometimes people call that predictability, uh, but I, th I think that both of those carries a very positive spin for a Christian. I think we need to be consistent in our Christian life. I think we need to be reading our Bible consistently. I think we need to be praying consistently. I think we need to be attending church consistently. We need to be giving consistently. And these are all things and many other things in our lives we need to be consistent. But today's lesson, because it deals with Peter, is about being consistent toward others. Uh, because I'll tell you this, uh, there have been many times in my life where I may treat somebody a certain way, but I'll tell you this, by and large, I treat everybody the same. Uh, God gave us four children, and it's a challenge as a parent when you go past one child and you have two, or you go past two and you get to three or four or more, is to treat them all the same. And it's amazing how your kids, and some of you that have multiple kids know this, your kids remember how you treated the other one. They remember those things. I mean, and, and they're like, wait a minute now, I remember whenever I lived at the house, you didn't let us do this, but you're letting that one. And I'm like, seriously? Do you all have scorecards or something? You're keeping track? I mean, but, but the one thing that we see about Peter is a great lesson for us today is, and, and listen, this is a great lesson for Christmas time too, is we've got to be consistent in our lives as a Christian towards other people. Peter struggled with this. And in Acts chapter number 10, and we're probably not going to read the whole chapter, but uh, if you look here in Acts 10, this is where the Bible records in verse number 1 that a, there was a man in Caesarea, his name was Cornelius. He was a centurion of the band called the Italian band. He was a devout man, one that feared God. And the Bible says in verse number three that Cornelius saw in a vision, evidently about the, the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming unto him, saying unto him, Cornelius, and when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God, and now send men to Joppa, and call for one Simon, which is surnamed Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside, and he shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants, a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, in other words, what the angel had said to him, he sent men to Joppa for Peter. And it says, on the morrow as they went, they drew nigh into the city. Peter went up uh, upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And you have to understand a little bit of the culture. A lot of times rooftops were, were really the only place that you could get away from society and family and all these types of things. Praise the Lord, they didn't have cell phones and all that. But you still had to have a place where you could get alone. And Peter went up to the rooftop. And the Bible says in verse number 11, he became very hungry and would have eaten but while they made ready, in other words, while they were preparing food, he fell into a trance, saw heaven opened and a certain vessel descending unto him. And it says, has been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all, all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now notice what verse 14 says. Peter said, not so, what's that next word? Yeah, now who, who, listen now, who said, 
rise, Peter, kill and eat. Who said that? The Lord did. And Peter's response to the Lord was what? No. Yeah, quite a contradiction, right? I mean, even this morning as we have our service, if God speaks to you, and again, you won't hear an audible voice, but in that still small voice, if God speaks to you and, and asks you to do something, to not do it, to not move in the direction of God, to not say yes, is to say no to the Lord. Are we, you with me this morning? You understand? So it's important that we get this. Now, what you have to understand, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I want to get to the heart of the lesson, but I want to lay the groundwork, okay? That when you look at our Bible, well, here we are this morning, we're in Acts chapter number 10. Act, the book of Acts comes after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which is the first four books in our New Testament of our Bible. Those four books, really, even though we call them books, all of them combined make what we call the gospel of Jesus Christ. They all deal with the life of Christ, okay? And so when you look at those four books, you find something very similar that you find in the Old Testament. Here's the question this morning. We're in school. Put on your thinking caps, okay? What people was God primarily dealing with in the Old Testament? The nation of Israel, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, right? When you get to the gospel records, what people is God dealing with? Still the nation of Israel. Now, see, a lot of times people think because it's the New Testament in our Bible that it, God's dealing more with Gentiles, but the New Testament transitions into God dealing. Now, again, we understand God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? The Bible does say to the Jew first and also to the Greek, all right? So when you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, what you find is God is still dealing primarily with the Jewish people. And the Bible says because of the unbelief of the Jew, in other words, they didn't receive, we, we celebrate Christmas, Jesus came, he's the Messiah, the Christ, is what the Bible calls him. So here's the thing is, is that as Jesus came, they denied that he was the Son of God. They're still looking for the Messiah even to this day. But nonetheless, whether they, whether they believed it or not, Jesus was still here, right? He came to live among us. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. So when you get to the end of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John, we all know that most of those accounts end with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay? When you turn the page to the book of Acts, this book is a transitional book. Because it's in this book that we're looking at this morning, and we're going to get into the life of Peter, that what happens is, is that Peter's mindset is like so many of days gone by that God was the God of the Jew. Now, that is a true statement, but he's the God of all people. So what Peter had in his heart was a lot like many in the world today have still is prejudice. Because God said to Peter here in this vision, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, not so, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, again, God's not telling him to go out and find Bambi and shoot it and eat it, okay? 
the analogy is, is that God is trying to open Peter's spiritual eyes to get him to see that it doesn't matter what the color of a person's skin is or where they're from nationality-wise or what their ethnic background is or any of those types of things because God is not a respecter of persons. But see, for so long it had been ingrained into Peter. Now this is important. I'm, uh, the, the whole lesson revolves around what I'm talking about right now because I feel like, look, we're guilty of this too. I didn't grow up in Baptist ranks. I didn't grow up in fundamental churches. I grew up as a Catholic. But I think sometimes we, we, we kind of get so entrenched in, in I'm a Baptist, I'm a Catholic. I told my dad when I was witnessing to him, I said, look, it's not about being a Baptist or being a Catholic. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Now, look, don't get me wrong. By conviction, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. I'm a Baptist by conviction, okay? And the reason is because I believe that we believe, we hold to what the Word of God teaches. But see, like so many, we just, you know, it's, this is what my granddaddy believed. This is what my great-granddaddy believed. You know, in other words, look, I'm not, I'm not discounting your granddaddy, your great-granddaddy. Look, what I'm saying is, what we have to do is, what does thus saith the Lord? Okay? So, I want you to look at the lesson this morning, because all this helps us to understand this matter of consistency, because being consistent in our lives, in our testimony, listen now, it's going to either help us or hurt us in our effectiveness to witness for Christ. Because some people won't witness to a certain person because of what they've been taught or what's been ingrained in them. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. When I witnessed to a person, I, I, I may have told you this before, I won't tell the whole story, but when I was candidating for a church back in 1999 down in the boot heel of Missouri, I was in a church, independent, fundamental Baptist church that had the same uh, doctrinal statement that our church has, and the, and the deacon board that was, that was interviewing me potentially to be the pastor of the church. One of the men who was a deacon, an officer in that church, said to me in that meeting, Brother Keeley, I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't have any black people in our church. 1999, I'm not talking 1899. And I looked at him, it, it, it really hit me. I'm like, what? And he, he says, have you noticed that? And my, my honest answer was, well, I'll be honest with you. I said, I guess maybe I didn't notice that. But the first word out of my mouth after I said that was, why is that? You want to know what his answer was? Do you really want to know what his answer was? He said, because they're not welcome here. 1990, I'm not, look, Lord's my witness. And so I knew what he was getting at, and I knew what he was wanting, and I had a decision. Look, it was an easy decision for me. Here's what I said to him. I said, I said, so if you're asking me if I came here to be the pastor of this church, what would I do? I said, if I was out knocking doors this week as the pastor of this church, and I knocked on a house, and it was white people, I would say, my name is Dane Keeley. I'm the pastor of such such Baptist church. I'd like to give you an invitation to our services. And, and then I said, and if God gave me the opportunity, I would try to share the gospel with them. 
and I would invite them to come and be with our services. I says, if I knocked on the next door and it was black folks, guess what I would do? I would do the exact same thing. And I said, and they would just be as welcome here as any white people, any, any Asian people. I, and, they, and that was not the answer they wanted to hear. I never got, a, I never got an invitation to come back. But I'll tell you what, you have to know that that hurts the heart of God. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's the exact same thing Peter was dealing with here in Acts chapter number 10. God showed him in this vision, and, and what happened was, and look, I get it, I get it. You know, we hear a lot with kids, peer pressure. And sometimes I think as adults, we think, well, peer pressure is more for kids, teens, whatever. But I even see it among adults, peer pressure. Some of you, watch this, some of you, Christmas time, work Christmas parties. You work with unsaved people and you're going to be pressured because they're all going to be drinking and they're all going to be carousing and all this other stuff and they're going to want you to do what they're doing and if you don't, they're going to try to make you feel like you're about this big. That's peer pressure. I worked with some folks before I went off to Bible college and I'll never forget, there was that, this was back in the day where uh, I think it was called country line square dancing or something like that was huge in the, in the United States. And there was these, they, these were mega places where people would go and they would do this, this line dancing or whatever it was called. And all of, the, all of the people that I worked with, they all went like two or three nights a week. And every time they went, not just once, twice, every time they went, every week that they went, they would always ask me to go. And every time I would say to them, I'm a Christian, I don't go to places like that. And they just kept asking. The pressure that was there, that's some of what Peter was experiencing. But it's interesting, and you'll see in our lesson today, that Paul, the Apostle Paul, and by the way, I'm glad I've always had Christians in my life that sharpen me when I'm dull, when I need an edge in my life. I'm always glad for somebody like an Apostle Paul that reminded Peter that the Great Commission is for everyone. That everyone needs, and by the way, everyone should be privileged to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. doesn't matter who they are, where they come from. So notice a couple things about Peter. Number one, Peter being cooperative. I mean, he got off to a good start. Uh, I mean, you know, the truth is, is that if we start well and we continue well, there's a good chance we're going to end well. But the Bible says to us, continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, and that's what we need to do, the things that we have been taught, the things that we've been assured of. We need to continue in those things. Paul told Timothy, he says, take heed unto thyself, listen, unto thyself, and unto thy doctrine, continue in them. Uh, that, that, folks, look, don't stray from what you've been taught, all right, especially when it comes to Bible. Let's make sure that we, we stay with what God has given us. And Peter, as we've looked over these past 12 weeks, or we've had a few uh, breaks in, in our schedule here, Peter's learned some hard lessons. Peter's learned, and again, I think all of us, I know I have, I've been taught many things by God. I've been taught many things by even some of you since I've been here. And by the way, I always want to humbly receive whatever those lessons are because uh, you know I needed them. Uh, there's things that are, none of us have arrived. And as, as great of a man as Peter became, Peter still had another lesson that he had to learn. And that's what we're looking at here today is that Peter was, he was being cooperative. And Peter had times in his life where 
He was rebuked for something that he did, something that he said. Uh, We talked about times when he said, remember what Peter said? He said, Lord, I'll never deny you. We all know what happened there, right? But the one thing I like about Peter is, is that he realized this, that those rebukes, that those times that he was corrected were opportunities and they were education for him in his life to grow as a Christian. You know, have you ever heard this? We learn the most from our mistakes. When I was in school, it was the things I got wrong on a test that I never forgot. It wasn't the things I got right. And I think the lessons that I have learned in my life are the things that really have forged me for who I am as a Christian. I think it's a great thing. Now, look, I don't go out and try to do something wrong so that I can learn a lesson. I mean, no one enjoys a whooping, right? Anybody in here like whippings, whoopings, whatever you want to call them, lashings, you know? Anybody have a parent, well, I'm going to ask that, that used to go out and get a switch off the tree? Anybody have one of those? Grandparent, Grandparent? yeah. So I'll tell you, I, I, years ago, I, I actually uh, made a bunch of paddles. And uh, I was giving them out to people in church, and I think my wife or somebody said, you know, you probably ought not to be doing that, giving those out to people, you know. I could just see the police showing up at my door going, uh-huh, you're the guy making all these, uh, here's handcuffs, let's go, all right. But, but look, in our lives, those times that were corrected, Peter, think about this, all the times Peter had been rebuked and corrected, according to the Bible, listen to this, he became one of the pillars of the early church. Now, the church wasn't built on Peter. We all know that Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. But understand that when Jesus left, who did he leave his work uh, in their hands? He left it in the hands of the apostles, right? Peter was one of those guys that, that the work of God was placed in his hands. And so in Acts chapter number 10, we see Peter cooperating uh, at that point with the Holy Spirit, and the Lord was going to use him. Uh, to eventually proclaim the gospel to, uh, at this time in Acts 10, a group of people that were unreached. Because remember, in Peter's day, the world wasn't, it was the same ball in the sky, but it wasn't, it wasn't as charted as it is today. The world's a bigger place today because of travel, because people have traveled the world uh, wide and they've been all over the place. So notice we see, first of all, it, that as he was being cooperative, we see his evangelization of the Gentiles, that Peter, when Cornelius sent those men to Peter, Peter went with them, and he knew at this particular time that God was trying to help him understand that the gospel was for all people. Again, I mentioned God is not a respecter. It says that here in Acts 10 and verse 34. God's not a respecter of persons. And Peter, once again in his life, he realized that he probably needed an attitude adjustment. Anybody here ever needed an attitude adjustment? You know, I think sometimes that's the way we are. Look what it says in Acts 10 and verse number 10. It says he became very hungry, would have eaten, but he says he fell into a trance. Drop down a couple verses. It says that, that he, after he says, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean, that the voice spake unto him, look at this, the second time, what God hath cleansed. Notice those words. What God hath cleansed. Sometimes, sometimes people say, well, uh, look, you can catch them, but God will clean them. Ever heard somebody say that? Uh, because Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. Uh, y- y- look, look at me. When you got saved, you didn't become perfect. And guess what? After all these years, you're still not perfect. But I will tell you this, 
that salvation, regeneration, the Bible talks about the washing of the water by the word. God is the one that's cleaning us up. God's the one that's cleansing our lives. And, and God's telling Peter, he says, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up into heaven. Look, what, what was God trying to get Peter to see? Same thing he wants all of us to understand and see in our lives is God wants us to witness to every person. Yeah, that means the guy with all the tattoos. That means the guy with the pink hair. That means the person that may have a different alternate lifestyle. It doesn't matter who they are. Look, we're all sinners. Let me say that again. We're all sinners saved by the grace of God. Every last one of us. And when we witness, we need to see that God uses the power of the gospel. It's the gospel that regenerates someone. It's the gospel that transforms. Drop down in Acts chapter 10, look at verse 44. The Bible says, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision. Look at that. They of the what? Anybody know who that's talking about? That's talking about Jews. Now, now think about that as we read on. It says, They of the circumcision which believed. So these are Jewish Christians, right? It says, that Those that, that believed, as many as were, were, came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them that they be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, look, do you get it this morning that, that up to this point, that the gospel, now the gospel is always, God's intent was that everyone would always be saved. But again, at this point, in Peter's mind, that the good news was only for the Jews, but what's happening here in Acts 10 is, all of a sudden, people that are not Jew by birth, they're getting saved. And Peter's like, this is awesome. These people are trusting Christ. The Holy Spirit is coming upon them just like he's coming upon uh, the, the, the nation of Israel. And so what does he do? Well, it must have been a Baptist church because the Bible says, then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day they were added into the church. Now, again, at this point, probably the church predominantly was all Jewish believers. Now, watch this. Because Gentiles were getting saved, now you have a congregation of Jew and Gentile. Now, remember... What did Jews call Gentiles? Dogs. They looked down at them. But remember what happened when you got saved, how God changed your heart? So look here, Peter's cooperating. He's like, hey, these people are getting saved. The next step in the life of a believer is to follow Lord and believer's baptism. And so Peter says, hey, look, where's water? Let's get these folks baptized. I mean, uh, we got to find a water puddle somewhere because we got to put them under the water because that's how you bat. And Peter's like, we've got to get, he's cooperating. And look, it must have been a thrill to see God working in the lives of even Gentile people. Are you with me this morning? Okay. Now this is Bible. I'm just sharing Bible with you. By the way, a lot of people are still struggling with this in the world today. I, I knock on people's doors and they'll say to me, oh, I'm a Jew. And I'm like, you know, God, Jesus was a Jew. But he didn't die just for Jewish people. God so loved the world. So Peter was being cooperative. But here's the thing. Look at letter B. 
that even though Peter was being cooperative, Satan began to intervene. Look at letter B. He gives his explanation to the Jews. His explanation. It's hard to believe, and I, I always have a hard time with this myself. It's hard to believe that people can be unhappy that people are being saved. But that's exactly what happens here. These, these of the circumcision, they were not happy that, hey, it's no longer just a Jewish club. That now we've got Gentiles among us. I mean, we don't want these dogs to be a part of our church. Can I tell you, listen, the Bible says over in the New Testament that God is tempering the body. God gives the increase. Who are we to say, no, 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 turn around, go back out that door. You don't belong here at Bible Baptist Church. Boy, that would be so wrong of us. I mean, honestly, folks, I remember, I remember when my, my pastor's son-in-law walked through the back doors of our church in St. Charles, Missouri years ago. He walked in, he had a leather jacket on, he had blue jeans on, he had some kind of boots that he was wearing, I think they were more like a motorcycle type boot, and he was wearing sunglasses and he had a ponytail that went down to about here. And he walked in and I watched in a church that, that was supposed to be like our church, I watched as he walked in and no one talked to him. And I watched as he sat down, no one sat anywhere near him. So what'd you do? I walked right up to him and I stuck my hand out and I said, how you doing? My name is Dane, what's your name? And he said, Dave. I said, Dave what? He goes, Dave White. And I said, man, Dave, I'm glad you're here. And so we began to talk. Do you know that ponytail, motorcycle riding, whatever you want to call him, rebel, became the pastor's son-in-law? <laughs> Just think on that one for a little bit, you know? But, you know, Peter here is... He, he's, he's excited, but then the devil's like, no, 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 no. I, I, this, this can't be. And so we see here in Acts eleven two. I want you to look at this. Peter was come to Jerusalem, and they that were of the circumcision contended with him. They weren't happy that these Gentiles, they were upset that Peter was, it was sitting down. Peter, now, now these Gentiles, I mean, let's, let's just, for sake of illustration, Greg gets saved. I don't believe he's a Jew. I think he's a Gentile. You're a dog, right? Okay, there you go, all right? And so Greg gets saved. Look here. It would be wonderful for me, just like I did yesterday with some of the men of our church, where we just sit down maybe and we'd have some nice food and we'd just have a little fellowship. You know why? Because we have a common bond now, which is the Lord Jesus. So that's what Peter's doing. Peter's sitting here with Greg, and they're enjoying fellowship, and they're talking about things, and they're talking about the grace of God and the goodness of God. And, and, and guess what? Those Jewish believers were not happy that Peter's sitting here with these Gentiles. They're like, you know, this, this ought not to be. We, we don't fellowship with them. We have nothing to do with them. But can I remind you, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us have. Peter described how the Lord wanted him to share the gospel with everyone. He's telling these, these people of the circumcision, look, everybody has the opportunity to be saved, to come into the fellowship of God. And you know, when Peter was doing that with those Gentile believers, 
Can I tell you that God was getting the glory out of that? Now, God wasn't getting the glory out of those Jews that were struggling. Look what it says in Acts 11 in verse number 17. For as much then as God gave them the like gift. That's talking about Gentiles. God gave them the like gift. In other words, they received Christ. They received the Holy Spirit of God. Notice it says, who believed on the Lord Jesus. What was I that I could withstand God? Boy, there's a good question. Who are we to withstand what God's trying to do in somebody's life? It says, when they heard these things, they held their peace, and here it is, glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. What a wonderful thing. It, look here, Peter is cooperating. He's seeing people saved, baptized. He's fellowshipping. He's trying to help those who were still struggling with prejudice. Because remember, Peter was struggling in Acts 10. Lord, I've never eaten anything that's common unclean. And Peter, God helped Peter to get over that. So here Peter is, and now he's trying to help other Jews with the very same prejudice. And by the way, God might use you to help someone else to realize that everyone deserves to hear the truth. Everyone. So Peter's cooperating, but notice what happens. Notice, secondly, Peter being contrary, because Peter was being cooperative, and so far, so good. But we see God using Peter to reach the Gentiles. Now, look over in, in Galatians chapter number 2 as we continue with this matter of Peter, and I want you to see what it says in Galatians 2 and verse 11. Paul writes to those in Galatians, notice what he says here, but, see how it starts with the word but there? But when Peter was come to where? Antioch. Notice what Paul says, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself for fearing them. Remember the peer pressure? Fearing them, which were of the circumcision. Again, that's who? Jews. And other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that, look at this, even Barnabas, the son of consolation, was also carried away with their dissimulation. Here's what Peter did. Peter gave in to the Jews that showed up in Antioch. The pressure got to him. He became distracted by the critics, by the naysayers, that, hey, these Gentiles should not be saved. They shouldn't be like we are. They shouldn't receive what we have received. But the truth is, as I said, that the, the truth is for all Christians that, that all of us need to understand that, look, there's always going to be critics. There's always going to be someone that's going to try to distract you away from sharing the truth with somebody else. But guess what our duty is? No matter if there's critics or distractors, our duty is to carry on. Our duty is to continue to share the love of God to tell people that God loves them, that Jesus died for them, that they can have a home in heaven someday. But notice as Peter was being contrary, letter A, that he left the Gentiles alone. The Bible says he withdrew from them. He separated himself. Uh, he didn't want these Jews to see that he was spending time with the Gentiles. And, uh, you know, look, I think that's always one of Satan's goals. Satan always tries to get believers to stop obeying God. Was Peter obeying God when he was spending? Sure, that's part of the Great Commission. Go, win, baptize, and teach. That's what Peter was doing. And so when Peter withdrew from them, when Peter separated himself, he was no longer obeying God, and that's exactly what the devil wanted to do. The devil would love to get any Christian, any believer, sidelined today. You know, 
Uh, I'm not a big fan. I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched about maybe five minutes of the Alabama-Georgia game yesterday, and I thought, the Bulldogs are going to do it. You know, Alabama hasn't lost in like 50 years or something. And, uh, and they had him down, and the quarterback from Alabama got knocked out of the game. And I thought, boy, that's a good opportunity for Georgia to win this game. But some other backup quarterback stepped into the game, and he took him to, took him to a victory. You know, so think about this. In our, in our lives, is, when you think about this, Peter was struggling, and God got him, uh, you know, God was using him. Satan sidelined him, got him to where he was no longer obeying what the Lord wanted him to do, and Peter stepped away. Well, why did he do that? Because of the fear of man. That's what the Bible says. Look at, look at Proverbs 29. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whosoever putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. Remember what those people in Nehemiah's day said? Hey, hey, Nehemiah, why don't you come down from the wall? Let's have a little, let's have a little ecumenical meeting. Nehemiah said, no, I can't come down. Why should I come down in the work of God's cease? Nehemiah said, no, thank you, but no thank you. I think I'll just keep doing God's will, God's work. I think I'll just keep obeying God. Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. Look, folks, I fear God. I don't fear man. You know, and, and we need to understand in our lives that we, we must take a stand. The Bible tells us that we should neither give place unto the devil. And that's what Peter was doing. Because of fear of those Jews, Peter withdrew himself. So he left the Gentiles alone. In letter B, he led the Jews astray. The, the Bible uses the word dissemble. Here's what it means. Peter was acting like a hypocrite. He was glad that those Gentiles got saved. He was glad that he was spending time with Greg, talking to Greg about you know, his new life in Christ and about the grace of God and the goodness of God, how awesome it is to be a Christian. But then all of a sudden, you know, he, here he is, Mr. Super Christian. He's trying to disciple. He's trying to, you know, and then all of a sudden, here comes the Jews. Oh, Peter pulls away. You know, can you imagine what that seemed like to Greg? Wait a minute. I thought this guy loved Christ. I thought he cared about me. As soon as these other people showed up, he just pulled away. You know, and, and, and Peter, he was believing one way and acting another. He believed, yes, that the Gentiles needed to be saved, but then he turned his back on them. We can't do that, folks. That's not of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 32, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, and I will guide thee with mine eye. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Was Peter letting the Lord direct his steps when he withdrew himself? No. That was all Peter. Couldn't, couldn't blame that one on God. That was all Peter there. So Peter was, yeah, he was cooperating, but then he became contrary. He dissembled. He was being a hypocrite. But then notice, and this is where a lot of people don't like this part of the lesson, but nonetheless it is. We find Peter being corrected. Go back to Galatians 2 there and you know it's look at this. For when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them, notice, I said unto Peter before them all. 
How many of you like to be rebuked? How many of you like to be corrected? How many of you like to be corrected in front of all your friends? How many of you want to be put up on a platform and be corrected in front of everyone? Because that's exactly what happened. Now, let me just share a little something that I've tried to practice in my life. I believe it's a biblical principle, and part of it I get from this passage right here. If there's something that maybe I'm doing wrong in my life as a Christian between me and Greg, then I need to make that right. But guess what? I don't have to do that in front of everyone because it's just between me and Greg. But if I do something from that pulpit or in front of this whole church, how many of you, how many of you think and realize that I need to make that right publicly, Right? Well, remember what Peter was doing. Peter was doing this, and there were so many people around seeing what Peter was doing, and what he was doing was wrong. God doesn't want us to be a hypocrite, a stage actor. And so the Bible says here that Paul said that he did it. See, a lot of people think that Paul was, in, in, in a way, Paul was a hard nose, but it was because the love of Christ constrained him. But notice here, he says, in front of all them, look what he says, if thou being a Jew livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and do not as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So I see here Paul's rebuke. And by the way, I wouldn't want Paul, as the Bible says, that he withstood him to the face. I wouldn't want Paul in my face. But nonetheless, Peter needed it. Sometimes we need that. Uh, but I'll, I, here's what I like about what Paul did. Paul did not go around behind Peter's back. He didn't talk about Peter to everyone else. He came directly to Peter. He talked to Peter. The Bible tells us when you, you know, and so many people do this, they practice this. Listen to this. Let no corrupt communication proceedeth out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. Did Peter go on and become a great man of God? Yes or no? Yes. I'd say that Paul was standing Peter to the face edified him. It built him up. Uh, speak not evil one of another brethren. How about that? It's wrong for us to speak evil about another brother or sister in Christ. It's wrong. It ought not to be. You, you know that you've heard the golden rule, right? Uh, we need to practice this. If you don't want people to speak bad about you, then don't be guilty of it yourself. Don't speak ill of someone else. Uh, we went over and we were talking to we were delivering some of that stuff to our neighbors and my next door neighbor. He's a great guy. You met him and, and, uh, and, and we were just talking and I said something to him and, and somehow he was talking about the one neighbor across the street and he said something. It wasn't bad, but he just said something about the neighbor across the street and I just kind of, you know, okay, whatever. I didn't really say a whole lot and I walked away and I told my wife, I said, I wonder what he says about us whenever he's talking with the neighbor across the street. <laughs> you know, but... But the Bible says, look at Luke 631, as ye would that men should do to you. Here's the Bible principle. Do ye also to them likewise. You want to be treated right? Then treat others right. One thing I have tried to do, look, even with, even with children and teenagers, here's what I try to do. I, I try my best to, be, to respect others. And you know what happens is, is that if I respect others, then guess what I'm going to find people doing to me, respecting me. I respect law enforcement. 
You know, a lot of people complain about them, but aren't you glad that they're there? You know, I mean, can you imagine what it would be like without any police? There'd be anarchy. And, and so we see that if there needs to be correction, and that's what needed to happen in Peter's life, then it must be carried out, and I believe this is true, with the right, proper attitude. And I think that's what Paul had. Look at Galatians 6.1, great verse here. Brethren, notice it's for Christians, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Was Peter in a fault? Yes or no? Sure. The Bible says, ye which are, what's that word? Spiritual. Now that's, that's okay right there. If you're not going to have the right spirit, the right attitude, then you probably don't need to be approaching that brother or sister in Christ trying to make things correct. But it says here, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So I see Paul's rebuke, but notice what Peter's response was. Now, I wish I had, look here, this is one of those where I wish I had a verse to give you, but I don't. But I'll tell you what I do have is I do have a life of Peter as time went on to back up what I'm about to show you. Because the Bible says in Proverbs 1.5, a wise man will hear and will increase learning and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. A wise man will hear. Reprove a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and what? He will love thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Now, look, I don't think, as you study Peter's life, Peter did not stay offended at Paul. He wasn't bitter towards Paul. Matter of fact, here's what I believe as I look at the Scriptures. I think that Peter really respected Paul. For the stand that he had for the Lord. And so I, I, I look at this lesson and I think here's what I, I took away from it in my own life is God's given us an opportunity to affect others around us, to influence others around us. And I want to use my life to encourage others, to edify others. Paul said, be followers of me as also I am of Christ. There are times in our lives where like Peter, we're going to need to be corrected. You know, for me, I always tell my wife, I say, you know, I'm never right, you know. I mean, I, you know, I'm like any other husband. I mean, there, the number of times I've been right, you can count them on one hand uh, since I've been married. But I know this, that there are times where we're going to need to be corrected. But here's the key. We've got to receive it and allow that correction to help us to get back on track. And sometimes that's what happens is we get off track, you know. Look, I, I, don't get me wrong, and I don't want to get political this morning. I do appreciate a lot of what our president is doing. But have you ever noticed that our president is never wrong? <laughs> he's never wrong. He knows everything about everything. That's, I guess that's why he's the president. But isn't it amazing how he just, I mean, the worst thing they did was allow Donald Trump to have a Twitter account. I've heard so many people say, I just wish he would be a little bit more presidential. I mean, it's like, let's quit playing in the mud puddle and let's grow up. And that's exactly, listen, that's exactly what Paul helped Peter to do, was quit being a hypocrite, quit tweeting, and grow up as a Christian. And it's because of what Paul did, or, or should I put it this way, because of what God did through Paul 
that helped Peter to become the man of God that eventually he became. It's great lessons today, are they not? Listen, let's not let pressure keep us from being consistent. Let's be consistent Christians. You know, they might not like you, but they ought to say this. I may not like everything that he believes, but I'll tell you this. I see him reading his Bible every day at break time. He never says a bad thing about anybody. He's always got a kind word, consistency. I think if a lot more Christians were consistent in their Christian life, I think this world would be a better place. Yeah, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the great lesson that you gave to us from your word. Thank you for the example of Peter's life that we've studied. Lord, help us to receive correction, rebuke, Lord, to get us back on track when we need it. Lord, may, may you use whoever you need to or whatever means to help us to be more like your son, Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.